We've never seen a perfect marriage. But we have seen marriages that are full of laughter and life. Conflict and misunderstandings. Growth and hope. We want to dive into the nuts and bolts of those relationships. There are no experts here. Just real talk with real couples who really like each other. This is Marriage Lab with Aaron and Jenna. Ole, ole, ole. Welcome to Marriage Lab with Aaron and, and Jenna in Mexico. Yeah, we're in Cabo right now, staring out at the ocean and the beach, and it's beautiful. And the pool is calling my name. Yeah, for a Jenna great nap. is kind of not excited to be sitting here in our room. I love podcasting. I just, the pool is mocking me and wants me to come nap by it. So, yeah, I'll be doing that soon. Very soon. Yeah. So, we will have to make this shorter so that she. <laughs> doesn't get less and less interesting because oh <laughs> she wants to get out of here. Don't worry. I'll always be interesting. Yeah, that's true. Okay. So we are having um, our friends Ben and Heather Armstrong on the podcast because they are pastors in uh, at our church and they've been there for, they've been married for over 20 years. They've been at our church for over 10. Yeah. I think they were, they got there right about the time we did as well, which we don't, right. you don't know really until later, but right. And established in so beyond just them being around long and we've gotten to know them a little bit, we, they have uh, a really good story, really difficult story. Um, ben had had an affair, an emotional affair, Right around the time when we got um, no early on this oh, was before yeah. um before they got to our church and they as you'll hear there there wasn't much that was done about it at the place that they were at so there was no healing that took place in him and in their relationship um and so they got here and about the time that like a few years into us being at uh yeah. at the school ministry that we're two. at um, ben had uh, another affair, but this time it went physical. And so, at, you know, an emotional affair is just as bad, but it just, nonetheless, it was a big, big deal. And we got to hear about it firsthand because Ben and Heather got up on stage and talked about it and apologized. And it was just our um, senior pastors walked it out with them in a very like community group like apology, reconciliation, watch them rebuild trust slowly. Let's work through it together. This is not something like we're not excommunicating you and hoping that you can figure this out because they actually care about him as a person. They're not looking for, um, they're not looking for the perfect person, but uh, they also didn't keep him in his same position. While there are consequences to his actions. Um, And honestly, like he just, he needed time to to work through that stuff outside of a position as a pastor but we don't want to tell you too much because they do go into it when we had this great conversation but that was really why we wanted them on is because i don't feel like that's a conversation that a lot of churches have or you hear about definitely not um so honest vulnerable i was really grateful how um willing they are to talk about it because i just think it sheds a lot of light on stuff that's not normal it's hidden yeah, and it's uh, honestly a lot of the stuff that he was experiencing internally um, and that they were experiencing in their relationship is common for people to experience. And it doesn't always lead to an affair, but like it leads to a lot of brokenness and disconnection and things that wind up leading to divorce eventually. So mm-hmm. it's good to hear his process, um, good to hear 
their process and walking that out and and it yeah. has a happy ending so yes yeah and yeah with how it'd be <laughs> kind of crummy podcast to be like hey this bad thing happened and it got worse and um don't ever do that yeah so anyways enjoy yeah Armstrong on tonight. Thanks for joining us, guys. Of course. Yeah. And they patiently sat through like 10 minutes of Of troubleshooting (laughs) this stupid microphone. But you got it, and we can hear each other in both ears. Yeah. It's magic. Cross your fingers. (laughs) Yeah. By the end of this. Um, So, would you guys tell us um, how long you've been married, how many kids you have, Enneagram types, et cetera? You start there. Whoever wants. Twenty-five years. In December. You guys, that's a quarter of a century. Yeah, mm-hmm. And that's we have fourteen kids. Three of them are humans. And, uh, oh, just, good one. Are they literal goats or other animals? They're too? goats. Oh, so we have okay. eleven goat <laughs> babies nice. right now. And they're really called kids. Yeah. That was that was accurate. So it's true. nine females and uh, two boys. So I'm super outnumbered right now because <laughs> my son, Connor, is out of the house. And then we only have two little baby kid boys. And the rest is all Girls. <laughs> yep. Goat estrogen. Same, same. <laughs> they're yeah. awesome, though. They hop around. It's so peaceful at night. It's so cute. Wait, I how many human kids oh, do you have? <laughs> <laughs> so we have Never three got kids. A solid answer. Yeah. Three kids. Connor is 22 and he's a firefighter. And Kira is 20. She is just finishing up her sophomore year at Shasta College. Going to get her AA. Woo. Madison is 18 and she's a senior in high school. She is the school that associated student body president. Oh, nice. Foothill oh. High School. Yeah. Public high school. Yep. And works at the Dutch Brothers in Palisadro. Oh, awesome. And you guys, like we were saying, you're going to be empty nesters soon. That's going to be a big transition. We are. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. But I like what you said, Ben. What did you say when you said that? But we like. We actually like each other. And so we've developed um, kind of a rhythm in our life to to date each other apart from our children. So it's good. We started seeing a lot of. A lot of our friends who their only connect was their children and then going when the, the kids started leaving, all of a sudden their marriage was in, in jambles. It was like, what? They don't have a best friend. They were so connected. What happened? They were connected by a child. Yeah, and they didn't really have or develop throughout the child-rearing years that continual connect mm-hmm. with one another. So one of our favorite things to do is is to actually walk together. That's our big connect, but I hurt my knee, so we're kind of disconnected right now. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not at all. And then my Enneagram is a six. Okay. And Ben is yeah. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight. Just uh, not the nine? <laughs> I, I have an adverse, like, super bad allergy. <laughs> To personality, <laughs> type, personality to being type. boxed in. Yeah. Yes. Wait, isn't that automatically one then? <laughs> <laughs> Andy Zilk makes me do these. He's, he, he's, he does 
leadership coaching. Oh, yeah. And he forced me to do the disc test again, strength finders again, which I've already done those a long time ago. He's like, no, I need a new one. Mm-hmm. I need it now. And then I'm like, and no. I was so excited because he really didn't want to get into the Enneagram, <laughs> and so he had to take I, the Enneagram. I, I was like, so I'm going to know now. I was so excited. And he's a five. Yeah. You're so, <laughs> so reluctant. <laughs> well, Did you lose I part of your soul when you got yeah, the number? Yeah. And then, like, Haley Braun the other day, she's like, oh, you're a five? You're this? You're this? I'm like, stop. Okay. No. I, I used to really like you. <laughs> <laughs> Was she accurate at all? And like, you're this. No, so the, the crazy thing about some of the things is like, oh, some of that's fairly accurate. And then it's like. Other oh, stuff, no, totally not. So, so wrong. Like, that's not, not me at all. So. Are you all big Enneagrammers? I, I, yeah, we're middle of the I road. Middle, yeah. I like asking the question just because I've gotten, I personally got a lot out of mine. Like the moment yeah. I saw the number, I was like. Oh, that sucks. Like I, it's called the peacekeeper number nine. Mm -hmm. And I thought it it just basically said the big wimp on it. Like when I saw it (laughs) and I was like, I don't want to be the peacekeeper. It's so not cool. (laughs) But then I dug into more of it and the, the like core fear of being afraid of conflict. I was like, Oh, I began to see that in literally every choice I would make was centered around the, just make sure that we're okay by the end of this. Mm -hmm. And the things I avoided that I even spiritualized, like, no, I don't, it wouldn't be good for me to bring this up. So because of, I don't want to bring them down or do this, that, or the other thing. It was all motivated by this core fear of, I just want to make sure that we're okay at the end of this conversation. So I, I found that super helpful. So now that I recognize, oh, I'm doing, I'm doing that afraid of conflict thing. So it's good. Sure, yeah. If we're doing it right. Yeah. If we're doing it right. It's actually cool. Aaron, when he realized that he was like um, passive and conflict avoiding, he was working in the HR department at his office and he asked to have him sit in on the firings until he felt comfortable to do all the firings. This they was like 500 my employees. Count, my counselor recommended it. <laughs> I would but not, he did it. I would not have come so up with that. So then he got really good. It was cool. So I've just watched him go after Eventually, by the by, I practiced you know sitting in on the firings and I couldn't actually breathe the first few times that I was in there. Uh, and then I eventually had to do one myself. Still couldn't breathe, but managed to eke it out. But by the time I was, I don't know, 10th firing um and it's all for super legit reasons at the end i'm just like whoa like i walk out of there feeling like a champion even though the person was crying and <laughs> but does that kind of give you an ability to be empathetic to people's situations? so i to yes i definitely have a natural like uh bent towards empathy what i what i was excited about later though was it was the first time in my re- life that i didn't feel controlled by somebody else's emotions towards me so the with this one female that i had to fire because she did horrible horrible things um so i i felt very justified in everything i was doing but she was crying and you know yelling and uh, being pretty irate and when she walked out i realized i'm totally okay like i'm totally okay and i was like she has no power over me and it it felt incredible and so liberating so that's really where you know i wasn't jazzed to <laughs> crush people's <laughs> worlds <laughs> no so you made it a development deal and that's right. how i found it for me like when i read oh 
the six has a lot of anxiety, which I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I want to not have a lot of anxiety. Right. And so it's helped me to Face be, yep. Mm-hmm, and be on the other side of it. How, how do you do that? Very, a lot of intentional, <laughs> like, um, very intentional and just very methodical. As In your as mind. Like, mm-hmm, okay. Yep. So do you, when you get anxious, are you like replaying events over and over? Are you, what, what does that look like? Well, let's just say about the river trail and I used to oh. the rollerblading. I'd have to like go, okay, you're good. You can do this. You're not going to fall. You've got good rollerblades. You're skilled at it. I have to talk myself through some of the right. like. Even more, if you had done it like the 10th time you were doing it, you'd still self-talk. No, okay. no, no, no. More of the beginning of things. Like oh, this okay. podcast, for example, I was like, okay, you can do this. This is going to be okay. You can answer questions on the fly. I had to ask Jenna. Are there pre questions so that I can be psychologically prepared? So <laughs> no, totally. I'm not nervous. <laughs> Bring it on. Yeah. How do we bridge and how do we do relationship with one another, especially in kind of the church world that I'm in and communication world and, and what I do quite often. Wait, could you give your tight, tell kind of briefly what you both do as professions too? Because that'd be good. You I'm are a. I'm a pastor, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I'm, Prophetic Ministries Director at Bethel Church, and I actually get to travel quite a bit oh, okay. and, and train and do conferences and speak and do that kind of stuff, and then we're campus pastors as well. Okay. Which is amazing, and I'm a professional photographer of 13 years here in Reading. Mm-hmm. Heather is skilled. She's like the sought-after one oh, in yeah. our community. She's Thanks. so she, talented. She's booked out. Oh, I don't know if you're actually booked out. Are you booked out? I'm full. <laughs> not booked out. Yeah, gotcha. Full. COVID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you guys have very different professions. I just wanted to yes. set that stage. So, okay, so, so I, I'm, I'm used to, uh, the very first time I ever spoke, my youth pastor came up to me after worship and after the offering and after announcement and said, by the way, Ben, I forgot to tell you you're speaking. <laughs> Here's the microphone. So like we learn to be in season all the time. Like we're ready. You know, and we would start doing conferences or ministry together, and she would have her anxiety shooting through the roof, right? Because we didn't, we haven't talked yet, we haven't written anything down, we mm-hmm. don't have our list or our notes. Like, what are we gonna hit? Like, I'm like, we'll just go in there and we got it. this. We can do it. <laughs> how did like when he said that? Even if he's reoccurring, did you feel heard and understood, or like how did that work on your end? The first couple times, not so much, and then I we you know we'd go in there and then you know kind of debrief, and I think just the debriefing process has helped him to go, oh, this helps her to be ready. It helps her to be sure. calmer, and then it helps us to be really connected before we go in, and I'm not in a swirl. Mm. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it fully connects me because it's not my normal deal, but it does connect us in the way of she doesn't have as much anxiety. She's excited to go into it. But what I find with Heather is she does spontaneous really well when she feels fully prepared. Mm, Yeah. If I've got my list and I've got everything, then I can go off my list, but I still have my anchor spots. Right, right. And knowing that with her has helped us in working together and even leading at the, the Cascade Theater um, as as pastors of that campus we would go in a couple of days before and start talking about the weekend mm-hmm. hey have you been getting anything this week what's God been speaking to you or are there any highlights 
and very, you know, things like that. And, and that really helped us. And helped me learn because it's not, I mean, I can do a photo shoot, uh, nail it, but speaking has been something I've had to just start walking in and learn and right. build my confidence in. I think it's cool that you've recognized what she needs. I mean, the, even though it's not necessarily what you need, honoring it so that then she can show up because you want her to show up. You don't want it to just be the Ben show. Like, yeah. That's cool. Yes, yeah, I appreciate a, that. I think too. she's a brilliant leader. I think she's a brilliant communicator. It's just setting herself up mm-hmm. kind of for that success and for the best of her to come out in those situations. And then then we we really look good together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you could look good by yourself, but when you partner together in that capacity or any capacity, it's like your marriage goes up to a whole nother notch. Mm-hmm. You know, you go up to a whole nother level, and, and she has so much care. So even in a lot of the stuff that I do, even though I'm considered a pastor, I'm, I'm more prophetic by nature, and pastoring is not my normal deal so i was a revival group pastor for many years in in school of ministry rebecca pope supernatural ministry and it took me a lot of years to actually get comfortable with people being in the process Mm. and she's great with that Mm. she's actually fabulous at being really patient with people seeing people valuing people so at church, she's got a whole list she's writing down during service of people she notices aren't there. or Because you're going to call and shame them later? No, oh, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going to write them a letter. It's so true. You are so good at letters and Thank encouraging. What, what, why do you do that? Tell me your heart behind it. Because I've gotten Heather letters over the years and they've meant so much. You've got, Aaron's gotten Heather leather, letters. You're like famous for these thoughtful, considerate, taking the time to write these notes. Like what, in, what motivates you to do that? When I was 13, we moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma and I was, it was all new, big life changes. My parents had just gotten divorced and new youth group and I missed a service and they wrote me a postcard at church and it changed me. Like I just, really? I was like, they noticed I wasn't at youth group and mm. I, here's this little 13 year old girl who's, you know, in a, and it was a big church. We went from Susanville to Tulsa, like probably 300 kids in the youth group from 15, you know, and so the fact that they noticed me and they cared just said so much. And so from then on, I just, we've, I, it's just always been in me. My mom had us write thank you cards when we were kids. And so just getting into that pastoral role, like seeing somebody at church that you're like, oh, I bet a card would just cheer them up this week Mm. or, well, they were missed. I, I wonder what they're doing or, you know. Have you ever written a card to... Yeah, usually if she forces me to <laughs> so you need a the card. Yeah. You, you've got to do the fun one is, though, he's like, could you just sign both her names? <laughs> 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 if they were in front of me... You'd I, have I, no I, problem. Like, praise, I give praise all the time. I love people. So when they're in front of me, hey, thank you so much. Thanks for doing this. Hey, I saw you doing this. This was so awesome. But to write a letter? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> emails, too. Oh, we emails. So suffice it to say, you guys are pretty different. Way different. Oh, very different. What's a baiju? <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, in, they're thinkers. 
researchers. researchers. They can get like one track mind. They call them the investigators. Investigators. That's right. So like you, you pretty much know. He's reluctantly nodding for the record. (laughs) You know any topic. So if we asked you a question about beekeeping, like we're talking about (laughs) beekeeping, whiskey, (laughs) building. Yes. Oh, okay. No, he'll be preaching and all of a sudden he'll be talking about some subject matter. And I'm like, how do you even know about that? And then so somehow phenomenal. related to the Lord and mm-hmm. tie it back in there. I love context. I love mm-hmm. history. Mm-hmm. Right? So some of that is, is super, super fun. Was context one of your strengths in the Strength Finder? Yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, those all sound like five traits. Maybe not the positivity, but... Babe, don't tell him. He's going to hate you, too. You're going to be on his hit list. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so one of the things we wanted to dive into having you here is you guys pretty freely talk about that Ben has had two affairs in your marriage. And um, you're so honest and transparent about the process. And we wanted to dive in a little bit about that. Babe, do you want to? Yeah. Um, so one, thank you for being willing to yeah. do that. Cause it, there's honestly so many people, as you know, by now have gone through things like this, or honestly, there's people, we always say in our men's group, an affair, there's 40 steps to an affair. So nobody just winds up there. And I think I, um, I've heard you talk about it, Ben, before where, um, you explained like, here's the things that I were going on in me that led up to it. Um, which I think is just super helpful because there's probably lots of people who are maybe on step 10 and don't even realize that that's the direction that they're heading in. So would you mind telling us um, what was, what do you think was one of the, some of the main components that were either missing or just needed healing that led to that? Mm-hmm. And he kind of throws a pebble in your garden, and it's not even called sin. Maybe it's just compromise. Maybe it's just uh, we're not connecting. And so Heather and I, being two totally different people, we were kind of on this roadmap of life of you do your thing, I'll do up my thing, and we'll just kind of do it do it separate. And so is that was that in like work or leisure time or. Even if we don't, if I'm not into photography, you know, um, I, I've got to affirm my wife and what she does and, and we want to feel like you're interested. Yeah. So there were some of those things that were a definite disconnect. We had just, we'd moved up to Reading to, um, we'd lost our business in the Bay area, moved up here. What year was this? This is 2006. 2006. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so kind of went all through that. And then we wanted to put our kids in Christian school. So they're in the school and then Ben gets a job offer for, at, you know, for Bethel and I'm going to go to work at a, as be a waitress and um, ended up getting into photography through this. So it was kind of an early career. Well, he does revival group pastoring and 
I didn't have a lot of connection with all the propheticness. It was just so new to me. Mm. And, and you had young kids mm-hmm. too, which yep. is like. And I think uh, uh, another disconnect was the fact that our only connect with our was our kids. Mm. That was a difficult uh, deal. And then, how aware were y'all in that mo- like in that season that you weren't super connected? No, we weren't aware because we would do the comparison game. Mm-hmm. You ever done that? Where well, our marriage is better than. Yeah. <laughs> so we're doing good and it was it was what were we saying we don't want to listen to holy spirit i don't want to listen to the voice of conviction that's inside of me right now and i didn't have conviction at this point i just thought we were good to go i mean i thought it, it was normal i mean okay, had we you just... seen had you had any good examples to go this isn't great well i think you know we had our regular fights or mm-hmm. the normal stuff people fight about but we would just kind of work it out and we went through things and I think some of the things that I you don't discover it while you're in it it's afterwards when you really dig into it and you're in open heart surgery and God's like hey why we're in here why right. don't we work on all this other stuff and I was putting an extreme amount of pressure on Heather to, to fulfill all of my needs mm. so and I'm not even talking about sex. I'm just talking about the fact that when my wife would say, hey, you need more guy friends, um, I would I would be like, baby, I, I don't need, I, I've got guy friends. Yeah, but you need to hang out with them. Well, why? I've got you and the kids. Unbeknownst to me, what I was saying is, I need you to meet all of my needs. And she couldn't articulate that back then. But I was just, I was putting a lot of pressure on, on our relationship. And then I would felt unfulfilled in that because mm. she wasn't meeting those needs. Because it's impossible. she ever meet all of those needs? And so there was this cycle of almost, I'm pushing into you. You're all I need. Mm. Isn't that what a healthy husband does with her, his mm. spouse? You know, it's like. You, baby, I, I just want to spend time with you. Mm. Like, that sounds awesome. It sounds romantic. Except it, it in some ways, pushed her away. And then... Can I ask real quick? Why, why were you asking him to have guy friends? What was your motivation? Because I actually hear that a lot from wives is wanting their husbands to have more male friendships. Um, I would say, I just think because I... It was... Intuition. Yeah, and intuition would be one but I also I think there was that um guys just hanging out watching games and stuff so I just thought that would probably be good for you because I like to go you know have girls night so I would just think you would like guys night mm-hmm. I my, mine was probably more not like a deep meaning sure sure in that but I just always thought it's just so weird you don't really have friends yeah. <laughs> I, I, I have great friends it just wasn't like I want to go hang with the bros I'm like I'm more of a introverted Mm -hmm. in some ways i'm peopled out so my job is people all the time so to think oh now i'm gonna come home and spend time with more people sure i it it just wasn't super attractive to me (laughs) i i learned how attractive it is i learned how amazing it was when i started implementing that after messes after Mm -hmm. making those and then you start as, as a, a man as well, that affirmation that you're looking for from your spouse, if you're not getting it and, and someone else starts giving it, 
to you. That could be male or female. It could be unhealthy either way. Um, but there's there's healthy spots of affirmation that we need mm-hmm. from others. But it started getting these connects in certain specific areas, and then we're spending a ton of time together in, in work situations and, and that kind of stuff. And so, you know, it wasn't the, like you said, bam, one mm-hmm. thing. It was multiple things. It's not valuing each other's voices. And, you know, it wasn't me valuing my wife's voice. It wasn't her valuing my voice in, in a lot of different areas. So there was, there was multiple kind of disconnects that were going on that should be red flags. Mm-hmm. That should be, hey, something's going on, something, at, and we, we're in the situation where we're pastors, right? Mm-hmm. So it's easy to grow up in church and think, oh, well, you've got to have your game face all the time, so you're all good. You can never have a problem. Right. And, and so one of my big problems was living in... I didn't live in the light, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I lived in partial light, which is a lie, mm-hmm. right? You give certain amount of communication. Oh, this is pretty good here. There's here and, uh, you know, all the bad stuff. I'm working on it. It's, it's going to be fine. And kind of ignoring the bad, highlighting the good, or just giving partial truths on things, which I'm really good at now to recognize, oh, a partial truth is actually a lie. Mm. Because it has deception attached at the root of it. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Anything so, more, maybe? Because there was a lot of disconnects. You should read our book. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wh- on it right I was going to say, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. We'll, we'll put it in the footnotes when it comes out, too. <laughs> um, Heather, was there ever a red flag? When was the first red flag that you got that something was off? Um, you knew things pretty early on that there was an unhealthy something's unhealthy yes i would say that i didn't i mean i wasn't in like oh they were having a an affair at that point but it just didn't seem like and we weren't at that point true yes sorry um so it was more just that this doesn't seem like a good situation and then you know just here and there there would be times when they'd be together and a lot of it, I gave them permission because they had a lot in common and I didn't want to go pray on a mountain and do things like <laughs> yeah. that, you know, with right. when they had, you know, a lot of the different. I want to talk to you about that. So you guys talk about it. Mm-hmm. So it, uh, some of it was just me not even having, being disconnected from him in such a way and not being a part of his world um, that even, you know, created and led to that. And so there was probably a good amount into it, I was like, okay, we need to time out, probably, you know, need to make some changes, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And then it just started getting more and more and more. And I honestly thought I was just being very sick. So I didn't know Enneagram numbers back then, but this is a, you know, were you vocalizing any of your concerns to Ben? Yeah. Yes. There and what was, did you do? One specific time, especially we're, we're at the aquatic center right down here. And, uh, and Jen and her, and I'm there too and they're like well and at this point this lady was actually uh, a roommate of ours so we were she was renting a room from us and so there was a lot of connects there that 
actually came into the home and and Jen and Heather were talking and and the whole conversation turned to, oh, you just need to change your living situation. Like, it, it just needs to change. And I can remember at that point, I knew that was true, but it actually, I felt this defense mode go up inside of me. Like, I don't want to, well, that means I lose this, this relationship that's meeting needs that, yeah that was meeting needs in, in right. my, and that was the first time i think i i realized oh yeah something's something's off mm-hmm. if i'm going this far if i if i feel that much towards this yeah something needs to change and so we started going in that direction but i think even in going that direction anxiety started ramping up in me that i was losing something and i was and it was rising up in me more and more i could feel things even more and more to like and then there's anger he's mm-hmm. gone and i'm like and then uh, wait were you angry is that how it manifested or was no, she ang- she would get angry well one yeah. time that then i had come off a photo shoot and he had a he was going to preach it on a friday night and i'm like if you're ever in the car together i'm not i mean i would lose it and, and so there was some reason why we didn't have a ride and I had to go preach, so I had to be there. So she gave me a ride there. Mm-hmm. Oh, because you were sharing one car? Yeah, mm-hmm. so we passed Heather, and she said, oh. Oh, So okay. I didn't go that night. And at that point, that was pretty, I was definitely feeling it was off. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was where it really started hitting. Mm-hmm. And when she would bring it up, is it because she brought it up in anger? You didn't, like, didn't feel like, like you, you needed to listen, or? more of an attack and at that point as well there was a bunch of accusation that wasn't wasn't part of what was going on so there's underliers right mm-hmm. that were probably accurate yeah but at the same time there was a whole bunch of you had full deniability at yeah, that point like, what are you talking about no we and and so again it, it just continued to culminate continue to do those things was there anybody in your life that you were talking to when you were feeling like when you felt the defense about the idea of her moving out or no and that's that's part of that's a big portion of the idea of having men in my life or you know this can happen with men or women if you don't have someone of the same sex that you're feeding real life to and getting real life feedback to and I used to another big problem that led to this was I love to surround myself with people that look like me mm. so I, 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 I'm going to surround myself with people who thought like me who thought everything I said was brilliant because it was brilliant right? because <laughs> right. they agreed yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you love your own thoughts and you think they're right and I didn't have value for other feedback in my life. Mm-hmm. This is one big shift that brings so much help in my life is having people that aren't like me and being real and vulnerable with people. You know, not just partial transparency, mm-hmm. but really getting feedback in my life. So that was... That Which was has been amazing to watch that happen. Yeah, and now I... I value people not like me actually more than I value the people who are like me. 
how did how did you begin to build those kinds of relationships? I was specific, so at that time. Well, I, no, 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 no. I said if you're gonna stay together. <laughs> wait. If, if I'm gonna stay together. We're gonna you? stay together. Okay. Yeah. You're yeah. gonna yeah. start meeting with guys. Like, okay. Yeah. After everything came out, after we were getting, so, you know, kind of ju- jumping ahead of it, but that was something that I needed to for him to for me, my heart right. in this to feel safe mm-hmm. i'm like i need you to meet with beyond your counselor just some guys mm-hmm. so i picked three guys who were totally different than me um right about my same age there was one of the guys that was younger but um two of the guys they had families as well and they were just really different brought up different ways one was from scotland Another one, uh, Korean-American guy. So uh, his, his whole upbringing was totally different than, than mine. And, and even their, their makeups or their Enneagram types, which I have no idea what they are. <laughs> but they were totally different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then one guy, single guy, but, uh, you know, in his 30s. And it was, yeah, really good season of feedback. And anytime and those... We have a really kind of cyclical environment here, so we have to... So all three of them have moved. Since mm-hmm. Oh, in our city. Yeah, our church mm-hmm. has a lot of people that come in and out. So yeah. 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 It's interesting, Aaron. Um, so after we moved here, we did school. We had a, a bunch of his friends left, and he went through a season of loneliness. Yes. And it was like this weird thing, because I'm like, I'm here. I don't understand. How can you be lonely if we're married? And then realizing that it's not enough for me. And then started... Um, really mm, stepping into being known with male friends and like intentionally building and pursuing and being honest and vulnerable. And now I can't imagine doing marriage. Like I tease that we're our marriage isn't just two people. There's like six people in our marriage. Cause six guys that, uh, help me when, whenever I'm spinning out, whenever I've got something that hurts, I'll usually bring it to them. Cause it's usually pretty barbed. If I was to toss it out to Jenna, it would, it hurt her and so I bring it to them and they usually wind up smoothing it over and they're like so what you're really feeling is sadness scared like and I'm like yeah and then that's the thing that I come bring to Jenna but like I grew up with the same people for till I was 18 so I I thought oh this is friendship is like just the people that it's just so you know these people and you always have and then you move up here, and we did school ministry together, so that just solidified it. And then I made all these BSSM friends. But then everybody moved away, and I didn't have any idea how to actually build friendships on my own. Yeah. And it was incredibly like long. You knew how to like go out or have fun. Yeah, but, I knew how to talk to people. But be known and be vulnerable. Yeah. It's interesting because in that season of loneliness, like, um, he, you're pretty open that he had more frequent porn like mishaps Mm -hmm. and mistakes with purity because he his pain was like almost like building up and he wasn't current so it was like our disconnect when i wouldn't i wouldn't didn't know it and it was just he'd have these outbursts and now as you've gotten like more current with your pain because you identify identify before it like takes roots and grows it's not like been three months of an issue and right. then it, you lead to like acting out. You actually are way better at like nipping it in the butt. Yeah, it'd be the same. So 40 steps to an affair, 40 steps to looking at porn. It would yeah. be like step one is, man, I just, I feel kind of sad right now, but then I don't do anything about it and just kind of shove it down. Yeah. One thing that's helped us connect just lately, we, we decided to do another marriage thing and we've done 
connection codes. I've heard such good things about that. Yes, it's you phenomenal. I recommend it. Similar language and it's like I feel sad, I feel angry, I feel guilt, lonely, I feel shame, yeah, mm-hmm. loneliness. So, you know, we've got the emotion wheel on our fridge, mm-hmm. and what we've found out is through this course as well is as we share our emotions daily with one another or even with our children because the kids do their emotion wheel as well mm-hmm. once, once in a while and they're like we need to do the wheel right now <laughs> and uh, and we've started to communicate in a way that has helped us process through emotions rather mm-hmm. than them build up super high yeah and so it's like a daily thing and we've noticed in the past couple of weeks oh we haven't been doing the week. we're damned up <laughs> <laughs> it's like emotional constipation yeah, 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 yeah. 100%. i'm like it, the water's not flowing <laughs> yeah, and then wh- who does it get poured out on right the damn breaks right mm, right the one closest to you um so uh, again like and uh, it's a marriage podcast right mm-hmm. yeah so still like yeah let's do a marriage course like let's do mm. like a right. bunch of couples and be vulnerable in front of all of them even though they're younger than us you mean you're not supposed to have figured it out for 25 years no. like become experts at that point <laughs> then i mean we know some things mostly yeah. what not to do <laughs> <laughs> i did have a question I, I, when the affair came out and all the pain you were feeling what were like what made you beyond the kids? Like what made you choose him? Choose to stick with it. Decide it was like worth fighting for. Like, cause the pain would just, I don't know. I feel like it would be easy to drown in the pain and it would have been almost easier than leaning in and risking again. Mm-hmm. There's two, a couple things with that. One of them is, and I've just discovered this through um, counseling. And if I, we went, you know, we visited it back by doing and outlining this book, but a lot of it was like, let's fix everything and it'll be okay. So some of that is like a natural, like instinct that I was raised Mm -hmm. in, like, just fix it all and you're going to be okay. Okay. Versus pain. I mean, the pain, I definitely have actually got to face some pain just through the process of writing the book that I just buried back then because I would rather fix it. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? What does fixing like? Like, we're going to go to counseling, so I was meeting with, you know, a counselor. We were couple counseling. I had, you know, all the things. We were just doing all the things versus, oh. you know, like, you're going to be, you're going to have the face still. Like, you're you're good kind of yeah. thing. But I think for me, when it all came down and the shot, I mean, the like, I was actually right. That was, that was not just mm-hmm. my head, you know, that I was, you know, yeah, yeah, that was huge. Um when I was younger and we went through the divorces as a as 12 year old, I just remember a oh, moment. Your parents divorced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And all of it happened. This something inside of me was like, you will stay with your husband at 12. Let's go back there. At 12, I was like, I am never going to get a divorce. Mm. No matter what it takes, no matter what the cost, I'm going to break this generational curse. That mm-hmm. was language that we had at Assembly of God churches so I was going to break the curse and I would never get divorced so then when all this happened and it was almost 12 years so my parents were married 12 years when they got divorced and so we were almost up to 12 years and I'm like no 
I'm going to fight. I am, this is not going to happen. I'm breaking this and you know, this is not going to be. And then, you know, some, (laughs) so, but you know, you're kind of in an adrenaline, like I'm going to stay. Well, then you're in two months in and it's definitely getting harder and just the, 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 yeah. So, and then there was this moment where I had, um, opened up an email and read this, you know, read the email and it was just a a mutual friend and they were like, you should just leave him, you know? And I'm like, this is my way out. Like I, and that was kind of at that road, you know, the stop, stop sign, you know, right or left. And Mm -hmm. I could just feel that whole, like, this is your, this is your out. Like you can do this. And then the Holy Spirit just came into the room and I, I heard the words, I choose us. I choose us. I choose us. And it literally broke. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I choose us. And it was like any time that that she actually vocalized it, what she heard inside. And any time like it would get hard, like there would be that right up in your face. I'd be like, "I choose us, I choose us, I choose wow. us," and that really was like my anchor point. I just had my stake in the ground. I I choose us. We are gonna do this, and I was really about our marriage and I'm, having a successful marriage. The two things, the choose is just so it's like powerful. It's not like this is happening to me. It's like you you're signing up for doing the work and leaning in. Mm-hmm. And then also the us, not you, like making room for your voice and like us together. Like I, I just, that's a beautiful like anchor point. Like And oh, now looking back at it too, there was a point where um I think I was talking to Sherry Silk and you know she's like, "What are you going to do?" and "What are you feeling?" and I'm like, "It takes two to tango." And so mm-hmm. I'm like, "I'm not Obviously, he made some choices that, you know. But at that mm-hmm. point, yeah. there was a piece in me that was like, what did you contribute? Because if you were fully awesome, if you were fully connected, this wouldn't have happened. Like if there was wholeness in your marriage. And so I just recognized that. And I'm like, I want to work on me mm. as much as I want to work on us. Because there's mm. something in me that needs help. And so that's so cool because it's not like it's the opposite of, you know, like shame, like it's my fault. I wasn't enough for him. It was like you wanted the feedback. Well, that was wow. <laughs> and we worked. One of the things that was brilliant about Heather in this whole process was, it, you know, I thought our marriage was over. So mm-hmm. this is this is done like you, you don't get a bunch of chances at this. So I'm like, I'm done. What's my choices? I have no choices, really, except for I want to try to be the man I'm supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And obviously, I can't be the husband I'm supposed to be because my wife's going to divorce me. But I can be the best possible man I'm supposed to be for her and and my children. And I think ministry's over. Everything's over. And so I, I committed to God and myself at the very beginning. It's like, Okay, I'm going to do everything it takes to be the best me possible. And that's all I can do. I'm going to own my mess. Mm. I'm going to clean it up. And I'm going to own 100% of me. And in doing that, Heather said, I saw you owning you, which gave me permission to look at me. Oh, that's good. (laughs) That's really good. And I, I see a lot of spouses trying to, well, if you would just, and you would just, and you would just, and I'm like, why don't you just work on you? Mm. 
just work on you. That's all you can control. Self-control, right? Through right. The Holy Spirit. So, so this was the second time that this had, an affair had happened. What was the difference between um, post-first affair and post-second affair that is has been the real difference? The first one was a lot just less, um, a more of emotional in that sense, and it was just put under the rug. We were youth pastors, and we, we've literally never talked about it. It was put under... No counseling, no nothing. And we just moved on. Was it y'all's choice? Was it your choice, Heather? Or was it the church's choice? Oh. That was the church leadership's response. So we just never even visited it. Like, it was just stuffed. Wow. Okay. So So I took a break as youth pastor for (laughs) six months. And the pastor said, you know, we're not going to talk about this. You can't talk about it to anyone. Oh. So it just. they had us publicly go in front of the church and me repent and do all that but then wait so you had to confess but then you couldn't get any help no so it was very unique so nothing changed yeah it was yeah it was it was stuff it so and i got pregnant so oh jeez so we had i was pregnant and so it was kind of like let's just move on with life and cross your fingers Mm -hmm. and so how how did the church handle it the second time you're in a new church you're up here at bethel yep well, I, I pretty much thought I was fired, so I, I went in, told them what's going on, and, uh, and they're like, well, what are you, you going to do? And I said, I'm going to do my best to clean up my mess here and clean up my mess with my wife and my kids and do counseling and just get help. And, and so their response was a little crazy because I thought, you know, okay, any time now I get fired, right? Um, and uh, they didn't fire me. They just took me out of my kind of pastoral role and put me in a more administrative kind of uh, position. And it was kind of this idea of as long as you're working on you, um, you can you can stay. We'll see where it goes. And we've had multiple people go through different similar situations but not choosing to clean up their mess or not mm. choosing to do do the work so kind of like the proofs in the pudding if yeah. you actually do the work we'll cons- we'll talk about your future but if and you're they not never told me what the work was they oh. said what are you going to do hmm. well i'm meeting with this this guy i'm meeting with this counselor i'm doing this and i just kept them updated on what i was what i was doing mm-hmm. and uh and I thought they were keeping him around because Danny Silk just released a book called Culture of Honor. So I just thought they <laughs> were. <laughs> they're like, oh. So some of my know. like, oh, they're just keeping me around because he just wrote a book. <laughs> so, so they're obligated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to uphold the title of the book. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I was like, Culture of Honor, here we go. Question, uh, did you ever get triggered by that level of grit? I mean, like that you thought your marriage was going to be over, you thought you are going to be fired, and the opposite happened. I feel like on some level that would trigger me. Like... I don't deserve, I deserve to be punished. Yeah, I. I It triggered me more than him. I don't know. Mm. Like he deserves to be punished. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm like, and then again, the church is just keeping him around because of this book. Like they're, that's. Do they really think he's working on it? Is he really doing this? And then a lot of the, our main pastors at the time had just started traveling. So they were gone a good amount. So it just. There was this weird sense of like. Do they even 
right right where, where is that so it was it was definitely an adventure i think i was triggered in some ways in like yeah but this is the unforgivable sin in church right mm-hmm. so you never come you never really fully come back from this so what's the shell of me going to look like what's mm-hmm. the, the half ben mm-hmm. going to be allowed to do in this environment and wow and so those were the more triggering ideas and i'm like i can't control what everyone else does all i can do is control me and i've got to i've got to do that and there was a couple of times where Heather was so triggered. She's like, let's just move. Mm-hmm. Let's just get out of here. It would be crazy walking around knowing everybody knew <laughs> your bleeding heart situation <laughs> story. And so I was in third year at that time. And I remember part of you cleaning up your mess was going, like having lots of conversation with, the, with people that you had no relationship with who felt hurt by this yeah. situation. People I'd never seen before. It went, it actually, when we accidentally streamed it that day no yeah all over the world they thought bill was speaking and they didn't know so it was just early early streaming days oh my gosh so i had foreigners coming angry with me and having meetings and at that point i was just i was taking all 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 appointments like anyone who wanted to meet with me and had a beef with me I'm like, okay, I made a mess. This is what it looks like to clean up a mess. But in the trigger of that, because it was so triggering for me that it had streamed everywhere. Yeah. The Holy Spirit said, as far as the sin is made known, the testimony is going to go even further. Oh, And wow. so it's given me like this opportunity here to be on a podcast that the testimony is going to go even further than that sin was made known. And so it was such a promise in that time of my life that, no, no, this is going to be incredible, and this is going to go further mm. than you'll ever imagine, and people will be set free because of your testimony. That's, That's such a good shift in perspective that would make all the difference. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, like pain with a purpose almost, yes. you know, like, okay, but. And, and I, ra- rabbit trailing to, like, pe- yeah. uh, people knowing and being in an environment where, all mm-hmm. you know, you're coming in and out, and again, back to my little self that just imagines things, and one of my cousins actually she's like heather people are probably just thinking about what they're gonna eat for lunch they're not even thinking about you know what happened between y'all she's like just let it go just imagine that you know they're thinking about what they're gonna go buy at the sale at macy's and so it really did help me at church like if i people were coming and kind of giving me those glossy eyes i'd be like oh yeah they're gonna definitely be going to taco bell (laughs) 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 so it really helped me get out of my like i'm gonna get I mean, and there are some days that I couldn't quite get that rhetoric out of my head and sure. I would spin out. But for yeah. the most part, I really just would make believe things up that people would be thinking. And in those times where she's like, we've got to leave, I, I would continually tell her, we can't leave until I fully clean up my mess. Mm-hmm. As far as moving. If, right. If we leave, the pain goes away. And I right. don't know if I'm actually healed. So you want so to I've got to clean wow. up my mess in the environment I made it. If we get through this and we've cleaned it, uh, we're, we're at a place where it's cleaned up and, and we're healthy and we still feel like we need to go, then that's when we go. Mm. But until then, I'm like, I'm full in on this. Wow. And I probably took way too many meetings. Yeah, probably. Now, so. that, yeah. <laughs> now that I go back on that, it's like, oh, man, what were you thinking? Like, I was just in a mode. Right, you were in... Let's take care of this. I'm going to take care. I'm going to get better. 
yeah. whatever it took. And the one thing I would say was I never was not in love with my wife. Mm-hmm. I always loved my wife. I always wanted that that dream marriage. I, I always wanted to be connected. Um, it wasn't a matter of, oh, I don't love my wife, so I'm going off with this other girl. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that. It was there were so many disconnects and so many unhealthy over time. Mm-hmm. And then when the situation presents itself, which the devil's good at doing that, um, and then you find yourself doing something you you would have never imagined, and uh, so it was it was definitely a journey. Um, how did you handle, or how have you like grown? I, maybe this would be a personality type thing, and regardless mm-hmm. of what kind you want to call it, but shame is a big motive. I've found out through counseling, shame is a big motivator for me. So if I mess up, if I look at porn, um, whatever it is, I will, I won't even realize, but shame will be running out in the background default and that'll be propelling me to get better and better rather than, I don't know, love for myself, love for my marriage. Mm -hmm. How did, how do you handle shame or how did you handle shame in the midst of that? And going forward especially because you're talking about it it's like you don't have shame like it doesn't tint i feel like i have shame on your behalf and it doesn't even make sense i'm like i want to get to that level of yeah we were doing an interview with a a lady while we were working on our book and she's like you know it's offensive it actually offends me a little bit that you don't have shame and guilt in the way that i think you would still have it like right now forever Right, if, mm. but that's not how those emotions work, mm. and so shame is a is an emotion that is supposed to tell you, "Hey, you just operated outside of your identity," mm. but that sh- shouldn't be. It shouldn't become your full identity. Is I'm a shameful person, mm. and that's where shame and guilt kill a lot of people. It's like they put it in their pocket, think it's going to keep them. From doing something bad but shame and guilt also give you identity statements you know you 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 had an affair you're an adulterer so it gives you an identity statement and eventually once pain is gone once you're worn down once you're tired out what do you always revert back to you revert back to your identity so if I've made shame and guilt my identity statements of all of this negative stuff and I live under that all the time I'll eventually revert back to that (laughs) and so I knew I had to kill that thing the only way Mm. I knew how to kill it was to talk about it anytime it came up Mm. to actually be real and transparent not just transparent but vulnerable Mm. because people can hurt you with that information right but the great thing is when everyone knows your crap at least you know where they stand right and and then when they freak out and you're good you know it's not your problem mm-hmm. oh bless their hearts and I, can take, <laughs> no, I, can, I can actually take all of their they can heap all of their pain on me they can heap all of that i'm not going to receive it 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 bounces off because i know that pain is actually their pain it's not actually what i caused them because i've done all the work to 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 really own my mess, to figure out what caused the mess, to head up, uh, set up healthy cycles in my life, healthy structures in my life. I know we're connected. I know we protect each other. 
I know my kids are healthy. That whole process was, was it's, it's challenging. And I, I don't, I'm not the guy that made a ministry out of this. So mm-hmm. it, it was one of, our, one of our things was we didn't want to write a book year one. Mm-hmm. Right. Testimony. Yeah. You know, we're, we're 11 years past that. Mm-hmm. And now we feel like we have some credibility. Mm-hmm. We have some years under our belt and we have some, some kind of practices under our belt where we, where we actually have something worth saying. Right. And, and worth people anchoring to. And I mean, I'm not saying people in their process haven't learned something at year one. Sure. There was so much, like forgiveness is easy in, it's the easiest part of it. I forgive you. Okay, that's done. But I don't trust you. Right. And that's what I had to rebuild was trust with my wife, trust with my kids, trust with my leaders, trust with my community and my environment, trust with myself. Sure. So Can I, Heather, at what point do you feel like you turned a corner and where you could say, I'd actually do trust you? Probably two years ago. <laughs> it's I been a long yeah. time. I mean, well, it took a oh, long sure. time. Like, Sure, right. yeah. And then there would be times, I mean, if I knew that it was probably something more outside that was triggering me than actually trusting, and, mm. you know, so, but it it's definitely taken a while and the brilliant thing that Ben's done so well was, you know, just set up his world that I could feel so safe. So, mm. you know, never meeting with ladies alone, there'd always be two with him and just, hey, I've got to, you know, go from here to there. I'm going to be riding with her in the car. Is this good with you? So there was such a, like a build of trust in mm. that. And so. And at first that started out of, you know, hey, this is just a mode to protect you. But it's something I've kept in our life because it feels like it makes me a healthy man. Mm. I feel safe. I feel awesome. I feel free to actually minister in the way I should be able to without any fear that someone's getting too much or even, you know, or I'm giving too much or taking too much mm-hmm. in, in, in one of those situations. So, yeah, it's it's been it's been brilliant with that. That's good. So you had mentioned... Um, transparent you're like i was transparent but more than that i was vulnerable what's the difference to you well there's a lot of people being transparent on instagram but vulnerability actually accepts the feedback it says you can speak into my life and affect the trajectory of my life the direction of my life so vulnerability means you can actually wound me in here. You can actually uh, touch my heart. Uh, you can see inside. It's not a glass wall where I, you can see me naked. That That's vulnerability, but or that's transparency, but vulnerability is you're inside the glass box with mm-hmm. me. And so that's good. those are, I, I think it, it's hard right now because with the advent of social media and everything like that is so easy people say well i'm i'm vulnerable all the time you're like no you're transparent you're sharing all of your thoughts and feelings but you only keep the likes on there you know Mm -hmm. unfriend someone who wants to get in there and actually give you feedback on your life so we need that real kind of one-on-one that real stuff 
Mm-hmm. I warned you. It's so, I know she's so <laughs> pretty. She's tempting. Heather, I was wondering, like, was it a pro? Like, I imagine that you forgave him, and then something that, like it's like working through the pain. It's not a one and done. Did, was there ever a time that like I don't know that you felt like I should be done with this or I should trust him more or no, did you just give yourself permission? Because if you want to fix it, if it's taking longer than you maybe expected, like when did you reconcile that like it's okay to let yourself go on this process and not be finished in a like, you know, microwave fashion kind of. So, I mean, like we got through year one, like so we, it was, it was beautiful. The process of, from the beginning and then like a school year, like, so we, you know, everything came out around in October and then we go in front of the schools and the different years. And that was just so beautiful. And it was like, there was something in me that was like, yes, you've, we've arrived. We've, we've got, you know, we've conquered this. We're great. And then summer goes through and then the fall year we, I'm going into church and she's now working in Hebrews. And it was like, it all became so real again and it was Mm -hmm. like pain round two and so you know the people that that were with me they're like no no you've you've you had groundwork we're gonna do this you're gonna get through this and so I think probably through that year me being around in that environment knowing okay we're good no matter what I think gave me the permission to know that that we're reconciled does that make is that what you're asking just so you i mean you're the healing process the there's so much pain there um and maybe in year six after that happened if you feel pain like you just said the book brought up new kinds of pain and i know at least me and jenna have talked about this when we feel something that we thought we had taken care of quote unquote your mind our mind goes you should be past this by now the should oh right yes should so can you talk about fresh pain coming up and what your kind of reaction is to that like comforting myself sorry no that i mean she she does that a lot i mean you you go to counseling so like in that just in the just going through the process with with um holly who has helped us through this outlining of the book it brought up so much that i was you know at the same time would go to my counselor and just bring it up trying to think of just an example but just the pain that there was pain and so we went to that place we went to Heather 11 years ago and we would sit with Heather and I would cry and I'm like it's okay to cry you can cry you could just let it all out you know and so that was kind of how I worked through what about when I went to Georgia this last time and some uh, my team put a post on my Instagram <laughs> yeah that just threw me out the window <laughs> this was last year okay and the team put a put a picture. It was this this, this time there was a lady who was trying to raise to school, money and something. To raise money, and they're like, "Hey, can we do a post?" I'm like, "Yeah, do a post. I totally support her. She's on our teams. You guys know her. You believe in her." I don't know her at all. Like, so just and for I, context. Uh huh. And, and I'm going by what my team's telling me. I'm like, "Yeah, if you guys believe." As in well, this, he doesn't run his own Instagram. Pretty much, somebody else does. So mm-hmm. that's also in there. But go ahead. Well. So they do a post. I just get done preaching. I get off the stage and I see like 53 people. Thank you. You're doing what's going on. And and then text like crazy thread. And Real life. Tons, Real yeah. Life. Tons of phone calls I miss. I'm like, what is going on? So I call her and she's like, what are you posting on 
understand you had a relationship with this girl was called. I was like, what were we talking about? He didn't even know they had posted at this point. Was it like you standing next to a girl or something? No, like, no, she was like on the beach with her hands behind her hair. Like it was just a little. Oh, but it was <laughs> your was your like, Instagram. Oh, jeez. Yeah. To go to and I'm like, was she in a bathing suit? No. Okay. But it was just it just came off really. It just yeah. came off. It hit you. Yes. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> you nailed that Instagram pose, right? I'm sorry, you guys couldn't be in the room to see it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, but Wow. wow. That's how I, it was like intense. And I could feel it too through the phone. That, and that wow. level of, it took a couple of days to come down from that. Mm-hmm. Question Were you able in that moment? I feel like you had like two ways. You could have empathized, like actually connected, like, oh, she's feeling a lot of anxiety. Or did you feel defensive? Like, which one did you get there? Or some or? mixture. Yeah, I, mixture, I, I guess. Yeah, I, mixture of both. You feel defensive at first because I'm like, what, what are we even talking about? I like, let me look. And, and, then it's just like, okay, this is something you got to deal with, Ben. You made a mess. Mm. So you this still own it. That's cool. The residual effects of you making a mess. Mm. How do I reaffirm that we're good? How do I reaffirm trust and all of that? It may take a few few minutes. She's going to figure it out. I give her time. She'll come down off of the first initial shock and anxiety. And you know how your mind just kind of plays tricks on you? Oh, yeah. And it spins down. And I know she was in a spin. And there's, you can't just talk someone out of a spin like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's having a little patience. And she has more patience with herself. She has outlets. So she'll go share it with one of her friends. And she'll share it with her counselor. And and we, we talk it through where... Like, I'm not the only one. We're not the only one in each other's lives talking right. it out with each other. Yeah. And then even through the process of it, if I would get triggered, mm. so, some of it would be like, okay, what you have walked through all this. What is it? It's not this. It's not been. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you you have made ground. There's mm-hmm. no reason you should be here as far as, like, not trusting him or questioning him or that kind of stuff. And he gave me permission for a good three years to, if I felt anything or had any questions to ask him and he wouldn't respond defensively, he would be just real and talk it through. And then when it would, you know, like years later, if I'm having that, he's like, okay, where are we at? Mm-hmm. Yeah, where are we at? What do you think this is connected to? Right. Like digging deeper. Because yeah. mm-hmm. this is not connected to reality. And right. that not saying that in a to be demeaning, but no. what's actually happening is not matching the level of your response. And so there is something you're actually responding to something deeper inside, some pain inside that is now surfacing in yes. a new way. Yeah, our connection code guy, he, he put it this way. Did I miss something? That's a great response, you know. Oh, what baby, what did I miss? What did I miss? Because there's, I'm trying to follow your energy and your energy is saying this, but somehow it's not adding up for me. So let's, let's kind of talk this out without mm-hmm. escalating. I think it, it, every time we get defenses with one another, that's where it escalates. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then someone doesn't feel heard. Mm. 
it's cool because when you said that, I think the same words could have been said in a heart posture or like a tone that's almost condescending. But I could tell that it like when you say it to Heather, when you use it, it's a tool for connection. Like you actually want to understand. Yeah, that's the goal of it. Not to go, what am I missing in your craziness right now? Like, (laughs) 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 Just to kind of fully wrap up our the fair story that God redeemed the date on seven years to the date Mm -hmm. of that finding out we were able to buy a home and then. 10 years to the date, we were in Mexico and we were doing a, a marriage retreat and 42 couples renewed their vows. And oh, I wow. really full, oh. like God really restored everything back even better than before, our connection better before, our marriage better than before. And even just again, that date was so real to me every time October 28th would come around. And so mm. now... It's a celebration day of God fully restoring something to us. Wow. That's so huge. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we've reached the point of the night where we talk about an awkward sex story. Dun, dun, dun. So can you share one with us? I'm so excited. (laughs) Oh, you know it. (laughs) This is just so vulnerable right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When we got married, we got married December 28th. Okay. middle of or winter mm-hmm. and um everybody was getting strep throat brian johnson was, was supposed to sing at our wedding he got strep throat oh. our florist got strep throat one of tony luera who was supposed to sing endless love at our wedding he got strep throat and i kind of got this strep throat feeling so i was oh, like no. i better get antibiotics okay get on the antibiotics great we get married she gets a yeast infection so oh no <laughs> Oh, no. (laughs) So no sex? No sex? I mean, creative. Yeah, Yeah, more creative. (laughs) So I found out that penicillin gives me yeast infections. That's (laughs) that's such a bummer. Such a Christian killjoy. You're like, I waited for this. There you go. (laughs) Thanks so much for coming over, guys. Yeah. And and thank you for having us. Yeah, and being vulnerable and sharing all your stuff and um, I just really appreciate that you guys are willing to use your testimony and something that has affected you guys so much and so many people have been changed by it. So thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. We love you. All right. So that was Ben and Heather. And we just felt very honored that they would dive into all that with us. Um, One of the things that I thought that Ben pointed out, um, some interviewer had said to him about, I'm almost offended that you're like not steeped in shame right now. Mm. And I, I, when he said that, I was like, oh yeah, I could feel that in myself. Like I know from, I normally feel motivated by shame. And so even if it's, I've gotten healing in an area, there's still like a layer back there in the background that is saying like, hey, yeah, because this exists ever, like there's a level of, uh, I don't know, lowliness that you should always operate in. And it's not healthy uh, way to deal with it. But I felt that for myself when he said that, oh, yeah, I bet this is, would be pretty common for people to hear him talk about having had an affair and him not being steeped in shame or feeling like he sucks. Because oh, what I loved that he said about it was it's shame is so unhelpful 
like the, and he actually made a differentiation. He said like, there is healthy shame, which is I'm doing something that is outside of my identity versus when you make that thing that you did your identity. And so, I would almost say like an, or healthy shame, whatever he used mm-hmm. the term would be conviction, like almost semantics. Like we could say like when you're experiencing conviction it motivates you to yeah. clean up your mess and be like who you're called to be the best version of yourself. Like that is like, motivating and what he called healthy shame like correct yeah yeah we have a definitely in our culture the word shame itself is like it's never good it's all bad um and i've actually read in some psychology books that said no there is healthy shame we just happen to call it conviction and so it's all it's all the same but um i think it was it was really good point that Mm -hmm. using shame um as in I am the bad thing that I've done and I need to, I need to, um, at least punish myself forever. Yes. That's the good way to put it. I need to punish myself, um, forever is super unhelpful for actually getting healthy. Um, but I did like how, like as Heather had layers of pain come up in the years following, he recognized them as like consequences of his action and the trust he like broke you know so i feel like it's so i think there's such like a balance in what we like you could swing the opposite way too but he, sure. did, he didn't he's like found a middle t- tension that he's walking in so yeah and i think the difference is that when heather talks about the pain and he's able to like walk her with her in it and re- not put her down for it like you should be past this mm-hmm. he's aware he is not identifying his identity with his mistakes, but he is aware that the mistakes he made have cons- natural consequences in relationship that he is still working out. So you m- may not be punishable by God's standards and you shouldn't be punishing yourself. And Heather's not punishing him by feeling pain, totally. but she, but he is aware that I, I'm not going to hold this against her just because I'm unpunishable. Um, I'm going to allow her the space that she needs to get better, which brings me to another thing that I thought was really helpful is how Heather had different layers of um, health to work or different layers of pain to process through. Um, Like things that didn't come up years later and... It was almost like the appropriate didn't come time up for, early. You mean no? Uh, that sorry, that came up years later. Okay, um, it didn't. It wasn't a one and done where she dealt with it the first right. year. Like the idea, and I think even like the different stuff I've processed in my own life. Like um, there's almost like it's not like you missed it that it surfaced back up. It's like you, it's something that you haven't gotten to until now. Like it was the right. pain seep to that spot, and it's not like you weren't doing a good enough job at healing. It's like no, now now's the time to heal there. Right? Yeah, it actually might have been inaccessible to some degree at that point. Um, inaccessible in that there's where you're at in life. There's no way that you could access that and r- really solidly process through it, or you just. Yeah, it just didn't come up. And I have a buddy who's had some uh, losses in his life, pretty close people recently. And when he told me about like his process of walking through grief was multi-layered, multifaceted in that um, he, it wasn't, I need to allow myself this however many month or so to really process all this grief out and then I'll be good to go. It's like, yes, that, but then six months later, he'll hear a song and a new or a fresh kind of pain will surface, like missing that friend um, or something along those lines. And he recognized, like, it's not that I didn't do a good job grieving back there. It's that there's more stuff. And it's I'm going to, there's going to be moments, like my mom, when her dad died, 
it was like 10 years later, she would hear something on the radio. It just happened to be music that brings up some of the stuff. Um, it kind of reminds me actually speaking of your parent, paying your parents of experience when their house burned down mm-hmm. the first like month was, I mean, a couple months was really hard, but then in the seasons to come, they were like, they were confronted with their pain because like, Oh, it's the first Christmas we've yeah, not done this. So it's good. almost like there's certain pain that you're not going to experience until the, like the appropriate season highlights the absence or the like, you know, marking of it. And then yeah. you get to deal with it. So it's not, yeah. Yeah. It's not a Time one released. and done. It's not linear. <laughs> um, yeah, there is. And it's, it's okay to feel the pain that you feel when you feel it and to process it. Then the, I think the important thing would just be, not to be to never ignore it when it does arise um and there, i mean we do have responsibility with how we process it like yeah. the difference of where's your heart motivation which is so subtle and it's an inside job it's is, not like is, we can you judge mean from the specifically outside. like when it like involves when heather, another person yeah like when heather experienced her pain if she was punishing ben versus like being okay and being present with her pain like it's just such right. a subtle heart adjustment that she would know you know like yeah. it'd be hard from the outside to judge it but like there is, I feel like just wanted to say there is like an awareness of responsibility That's true. of like, um, when your pain involves, uh, somebody else's mess specifically, like in, you're in the process of building trust, there's, it's going to be messy, but, um, there is a, um, helpful and an unhelpful way to process that pain and attacking the other person is usually not helpful. <laughs> So I would say that our, um, we, we, we got good feedback from uh, a person close in our lives that said, Hey, when you Kathleen, say, Kathleen, this is a shout out to you. When you say homework at the end, I go, <laughs> my eighth grade self is like, ew, I hate homework. Turn it off. So, um, and this is marriage lab. So she said, why don't you try experiment? And we're like, that should have occurred to us early on. So and She's a genius. What we um we're we want you to try an experiment, and this won't be for everyone because not everyone's in a grieving process, but I think even, it could be different levels. Yeah, though. it could be low levels. Like it's just pain. If you pain, lost, right? um, like you didn't, a um, buddy of mine didn't get a promotion Wait, recently. Do you want to tell what it is and then tell it? Oh, sure. Of how yeah, it yeah. Could apply. So the experiment is allow yourself to experience pain on multiple levels at different times because grief is multifaceted and layered, allow, give yourself the space that when it comes up, you're not going to go, I should be through this. I should be past this. Maybe I, you should, don't get down on yourself. I didn't, thinking that you didn't fully process something earlier, that may be true, but that is unhelpful. Allow yourself to feel the pain that you feel when you feel it and process it then. Yeah. And it could be really heavy things or it could be lighter like missteps in friendship like one of my friends yeah. recently and it was a like, casual but I felt it over the course of a couple of days I'm like oh yeah that really hurt and then it finally I was like I actually need to say something I don't if I had just cut it off I don't mm. actually know that I would have had the conversation but I realized like oh I thought of it again this is still painful I don't think I can ignore it and sweep it under the rug or it's going to turn into bitterness right. I actually need to like go talk about my pain to get healing and connection with her and you know what I realized too is one little like something that's not necessarily high stakes. I, um, there was a day a long time ago when my brother was young, he's seven years younger than me. And I told him like, we're going to have a day together, uh, where we just hang out. And so he was super excited about that. When the day came, he was like doing something with a friend. And then I thought maybe he doesn't want to do it. So I kind of just like went off and did my own thing. And this happens to us. And he was so, so disappointed, so sad. And it broke my heart that I, um, 
that I was like told him this was going to be a day for us. And then just because of my misunderstanding, I didn't, um, I didn't show up. And so I feel that was 20 years ago ish, maybe less. It was maybe less, but I still feel like that come up, that memory come up in pain surface. So it just made me realize, Oh, I need to actually process through that and work through the fact that there's still pain there means there's still something to work out. And most of the time I just go, man, that sucks. I wish I hadn't done that. And then I ignore it, but it keeps the same it's pain probably attached them. to like the bigger, your relationship as a whole over your childhood. You know, rarely right. does it feel like pains about that one thing, especially when it's small. It's like it's usually going to reveal a root or a theme. Yeah. Something like, attached oh. to my identity, something attached to what I believe to be true about like my life and who I am. Oh, that's good. So our experiment for this week is yeah. that, say it again. Allow yourself to experience pain on multiple levels at different times surrounding the same issue and process through it when it comes up and don't beat yourself up for it or the other person <laughs> yeah don't beat up the other person too that is yeah same metaphor <laughs> same thing okay that was so good i'm so glad they were like honest and just willing to talk about things that a lot of people aren't talking about so yeah thank you ben and heather thanks yeah. for listening yep all right love you babe love you too